Welcome back to this week's episode of Spread Talk. We'll be recapping some week two NFL action. As always, I am Isaac Krakoka. And I'm Will Kuypers. And as we always do, we'll get the ball rolling with some Browns recap. So week two against the Texans, the Tyrod Taylor revenge game, as many people are saying. I... I was a little unimpressed by the way the Browns performed, given that the spread was like 12 and a half or something. This is the largest spread that the Cleveland football Browns have had in their favor in like over 20 years. So take that with a grain of salt. But I definitely didn't bet the Browns to cover because 12 and a half points is a lot of points. And the Texans kind of proved that they can kind of hang. In the first two weeks, they blew out Jacksonville and they covered the spread against Cleveland. Um, but it was interesting. Uh, I'm a big Tyrod Taylor guy. Tyrod Taylor, excuse me. Um, sucks to see him go down with the hamstring injury, though. But uh, he proved that by having a quarterback that doesn't make a lot of mistakes, i.e. a quarterback that can protect the ball and not throw picks, you can win a lot of games and put up a lot of points in the league. So that was my takeaway for the Texans, a team with so much dysfunction. Felt like Tyrod Taylor was finally getting him in the right direction, and it sucks to see him go down with an injury. But uh, Browns ended up capitalizing at the end of the day, so I'm happy about that. But excited to see what happens with Tyrod Taylor going forward. Maybe a trade piece at the deadline? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I think I think Tyrod Taylor is the most unlucky player in the league. <laughs> uh, you know, we I mean, some of it's just bad decisions made um just like he leads the bills to the playoffs he's benched for nathan peterman what a great decision that turned out to be right oh yeah uh and then he's traded comes to cleveland gets hurt baker mayfield comes in walks goes to the chargers dr punk punctures (laughs) his lawn forgot about that and then that just opens the door for Justin Herbert. Now he goes to the Texans. He's playing well this year, like really well. And now a hammy. Um, I don't think Davis Mills is going to be anything like Baker, Justin Herbert, but I mean, I can be surprised. Anything can happen. Uh, but the Texans have surprisingly not been the worst team in the league this year. Is it, is it an overreaction to call the Texans frisky? I wouldn't call them good, but whenever you've got a big spread against the Texans, is that one where you kind of raise your eyebrows and say, oh, who knows? I would consider yeah. the Texans to be a frisky team. I wouldn't consider I would, them to be a good team. I would consider them that with Taylor playing. Oh, yeah. If Davis like Mills it. is playing, absolutely not, uh, until he proves otherwise. Um, but... I do think the Texans are going to be one of those teams that if you don't like actually prepare for them, they could, they could get to you, you know, there'll be um, a, there'll be a, a sneaky team to ruin some people's parlays every few, every few weeks this year. I mean, they're what you oh, call yeah. the trap game. Um, yeah, that was, that was like last year. Who was that for Cleveland? That was the Jaguars last yeah. year. And the Jets, but the Jets, Jets, that's different. The Jets, with the Jets, the Browns didn't have any of their starting receivers. I feel like that's different. Yeah, that that game was 
brutal. It was not fun to watch. It was terribly played. It just it was so bad. That's while we're on the topic, I didn't love the play calling of that game and that game in particular. Kevin Stefanski took the year. Yes, I agree, except for that game. I mean, when all your receivers are out and you only have Austin Hooper and the two running backs, you decide to throw the ball like 40 times. I didn't get it. But, you know, anyways, we're past that. I didn't either, but, you know, maybe maybe you find a diamond in the rough. You give a guy yeah. 10 targets, maybe he turns it into – No, think know, about it this way. <laughs> Everybody in the stadium thought that Cleveland would run the ball 50 times, and by coming That's out true. in the empty back formation, I bet you that kind of surprised the Jets' defensive coordinator. Anyways, doesn't matter. That's last year. Texans, <laughs> kind of a trap game. Let's talk about how the Browns played, though. Their offense, I felt – confident in um they're following the cleveland browns victory formula which is pound the rock and when it comes time in the fourth quarter really run the run the football and drag out the clock um make opponents burn timeouts um maybe force a turnover here and there but the way the browns win is by getting into second and manageable and third and short and then asking baker to throw and he's really great on play action so as long as Baker can get his play action cooking, that's all predicated on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt each getting 80 plus yards a game. And they did that. So, you know, I was unsurprised. Yeah, I thought it was what we're going to see is the Browns identity this year is just runs, play actions, and then a shaky defense, um, at least the until they gel. Up. The defense will catch and, up. Yeah, I, I think they just need to gel. I do think Joe Woods, however, needs to needs to be more creative in trying to kind of open up holes and rush lanes for Miles Garrett, Clowney, and the Maliks uh, because that's a very scary defensive line. And yeah. there's been there's been I've very noticed little. no creativity up there. There's been a so, couple safety blitzes. Grant Delpit got in on the action. Congratulations. That was Grant awesome. Making his NFL debut. But, yeah, I think defensive coordinator Mr. Joe Woods should open up his defensive playbook a little bit just because you played two weeks against two very different teams, the Texans and the Chiefs, with two very, very different offensive identities, and you had trouble stopping both. It's one thing if, like, you're very well geared against the pass – and you could stop anything over the air between yards of 20 and 30, but you get gashed by the run. Or if you're a great run-stopping team, but your secondary is shaky. Uh, these are two very different ident- like offensive identities. One explosive and high-powered, the other one methodical and kind of short dink and dunk in the Texans. And they had trouble stopping both until a rookie quarterback came in. So I don't know what the solution is. I thought the Browns would be really, really good against the pass. And I still think that's the case because – just because of their additions in the secondary. But as you know, getting a, getting some chemistry in the secondary does take time and it takes reps. And there's no worse draw for week one than having a brand new secondary go up against the Chiefs. So I think it'll get there. It'll just take another probably month before it's at the level that we expect it to be. Yeah, everyone's got to get into midseason form. There's a reason they call it midseason form and not September form. Yeah. Uh, And that's, I mean, that's very evident, in my opinion, when you watch Denzo Ward. I feel like he's been struggling a little bit. Yeah. These first two games, I've seen him get picked on quite a few times, which is surprising. Really difficult Uh, 
assignments, though. I mean, surprise true. Brandon Cooks, good receiver, maybe, perhaps. Not him. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I see him getting picked on. Uh, I don't know if that's saying something bad about him or something good about Greg Newsom that he's locking down whatever their number two, <laughs> number two receiver is. Yeah. Uh, Congratulations. I mean, he's, Greg Newsom he's played well. Nicole Hardman and <laughs> whoever the Texans number two is. I don't even know if they have a number yeah, two. Yeah, I don't. They might only have one rostered wide receiver. <laughs> I have no idea. Well, he's doing well uh, regardless. <laughs> Grant Delta, I think, could prove to be the steal oh, of the fun. draft. He's patience, fun. patience yeah. pays off. People forgot about him just because he was hurt all last year. Yeah, Grant Delpit this year is essentially equivalent to like a free agent signing or a a free draft pick that we didn't have to make this year just because he didn't play at all last year, obviously. And he's getting his first reps in a new system. It's an interesting dynamic within that safety room with John Johnson, Ronnie Harrison, now Grant Delpit. And such a cool rotation of three very different safeties, in my opinion. I agree. John Johnson, a great safe, like cover safety. Ronnie Harrison, a great um, big play safety, a safety that can make plays in the flat. And great Grant Delpit's like the, you know, the prototypical strong safety heavy hitter type. Yeah. And he showed that with that hit. Yeah. Sack this weekend. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> It was that was fun to watch. Uh, but speaking of big plays from rookies, well, I don't know if I don't know if Delpit's considered a rookie. I, I think so, right? He hasn't played. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, He's a Ben Simmons. Speaking, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, though, Demetric felt. Oh, he was awesome. Yeah, he's <laughs> he is fun to watch. He's going to be a piece. He is electric, and I expect him to get some more reps in the coming weeks, especially with the news that Jarvis Landry is going to be on the IR for three weeks. If I'm not mistaken, these will be the first games that Juice has missed in his entire career, right? Isn't his like whole career arc that he hasn't missed a game? Um, well, he missed the game last year against the Jets for sure. Well, but that was because um, of COVID. <laughs> I feel like that's different. Like. Because of yeah, not because of COVID. Uh, I feel like he missed one last year besides the Jets game, but I could be very wrong. I don't remember if I'm being completely honest with you. But but back to the point, I mean, if Demetric Felton's on the field, I don't care if anyone, if everyone on the field in the stadium knows that it's going to be a screen pass or get him the ball in space, I think he could still (laughs) take it to the crib. He's that guy is going to be something special. I mean, we yeah. saw it on that on that screenplay. He took oh, yeah. to the house. He's he like, he's broke cool. tackles. And a seventh he, round pick too. Let the record six be. or seventh, I think. I think six. Oh, okay. Anyways, late round pick. Same, yeah, same difference. Yeah, the Browns. The Browns are going to be fun to watch on offense, and as a Browns fan, a little not as fun to watch on defense. <laughs> I, I was expecting yeah. we would force more turnovers and stuff through the first two games, but that's just me. Yeah, he'll <laughs> catch up. I looked it up. Um, since he was drafted in 2014 by the Miami Dolphins, Jarvis Landry has only missed one game in his NFL career, and that was the COVID game. So okay. this is his first like injury-related miss. 
So he's a model of consistency, um, which I like from my number one receiver, the most underrated receiver in the NFL. In my humble, I don't, I don't think the Browns are a competitive team without Jarvis Landry. uh, At least for long stretches of time, Kevin Stefanski will be able to scheme open Donovan Peoples Jones for like two weeks, but Jarvis Landry needs to be active and ready to go for the Browns. Yeah. Well, I mean, the reason the Browns have gone all in on like these free agent signings is because the roster showed promise, right? Yeah. Um, the roster isn't there without Jarvis Landry's leadership. For you know, sure. The Dolphin, the Dolphins sent him here as a as a punishment, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Uh, I think I think news came out or something that they were trying to punish him or something or like something like that. I don't really remember. Uh, but he came here and instead of instead of you know pouting because he's on a an awful team quite simply yeah awful uh, he was he turned the he team was positive about it he brought the leadership that we needed yeah and combined that with getting baker mayfield in there too and you know that could set up trouble depending on who the people are you know because if they're fighting for to be the leader, then that's bad. Yeah. Uh, but they, they gelled pretty well, it seems, uh, pretty quickly. So I don't know. I just don't think the Browns are where they are without Jarvis Landry. I don't either. He definitely didn't follow the career path of uh, Kenny Britt, former Cleveland le- <laughs> legend. Oh, gosh. Miles Austin, maybe. <laughs> What did he spend like half a year in Cleveland? Something like that. Kenny Britt was my favorite one, though. I remember he actually had like a stardom as like a flex in fantasy the year before with the St. Louis Rams. So he was like decent. Um, He's like a a Slayton type of receiver, and he came in and decided that football no longer sparks joy. So, anyways. Yeah. Cleveland Browns factory of woes is is no longer. Anyways, that was the Browns week one. Any final things you want to touch on? Um, they didn't muff a punt this week. Yeah, that was that was nice. Congratulations um, to Jamie for the bare minimum. <laughs> the the one thing I do want to mention is finally that Chiefs assistant got fined for pushing Ronnie Harris <laughs> long enough. But yeah, took a while, but. At least, I mean, that's kind of, that's, it's poetic. Um, It needed to happen. I'm happy it did. So, you know. Anyways, that was the Browns week one, or week two, excuse me. Now, the rest of week two, what happened around the league? One thing that I saw was Justin Fields come into the football game and not lose, Definitely didn't win the game. Like, he wasn't the reason the Bears won the game. But he looked promising. He threw an absolute dot to Allen Robinson. The arm strength and accuracy is there. He threw a pretty horrendous pick um, against a Bengals linebacking core that is less than polished up. Um, But he was able to move around with his legs. I was encouraged by what what I saw. But... I mean, the Bears defense won that game. Joe Burrow decided that it was time to throw three picks on three straight pass attempts. Um, It'd be pretty hard to lose that kind of game. So congratulations to the Bears and to Justin Fields. Um, 
It'll take more time to get him developed, though. I don't think he's ready to start against the Browns. Not to say that the Browns have such a daunting defense that he wouldn't be successful. I just think that on paper they do, on paper they do but I mean, survey says they're not there yet. But <laughs> the um, the Red Rifle, I bet, will play against the Browns. And Andy Dalton's had a history of success against Cleveland. If you remember, like, when the Browns were just god-awful, I mean, A, he owned the Browns when they were terrible, but B, in 2019, when the Browns were the Freddie Kitchens Browns, in like week 16 or 17, at the very end of the year, when neither team was playing for anything, Andy Dalton absolutely torched the Browns, beat them by like 15. So he's had some mild success against um, the Cleveland Browns. That, among other reasons, is why I'd expect him to start on Sunday. Also, Justin Fields isn't ready yet. But that brings up the question of when do you start, Justin? Do you start him against, again, like we talked about last week, the hardest stretch of five games in the NFL's whole season? Like, I don't know. I don't know where you start him. Maybe you wait until like week nine, but I know people in Chicago will be livid if that happens, myself included. I am going to buy a Soldier Fields shirt. Um, so as a fan, I want to see him play. As an avid Justin Fields supporter, I would like to see him stay healthy and develop more. So that's my take on Justin. Yeah. Um, the only thing I want to, you know, kind of address from what you said is I feel like I mentioned this last week in last week's episode too, but I don't know if I would say Andy Dalton has owned Cleveland. There has uh, been one game. There was the one game. <laughs> correct. I know the one you're talking about. Maybe not that taints it. But he has had he has had success against the Browns is a better way for me to put that. To be fair, what quarterback didn't have success against the Browns up until 2019? You make good points. You make (laughs) every quarterback in the league had success against the Browns, (laughs) even third stringers. You're right. (laughs) So maybe inevitably they got into the game. Yeah, maybe it's not, maybe it's not an Andy Dalton thing. Maybe it's a Browns thing. I don't know. All I remember from watching the Browns when I was in like middle school, early high school was always thinking that the Browns were outclassed at quarterback. uh, And that included Andy Dalton twice a year. So I guess that's what I thought. Um, Maybe he didn't own the Browns. Maybe he's just had mild success about the uh, over the, uh, the Cleveland football Browns. But anyways, should be interesting to see what Matt Nagy does with the Bears. He's keeping his cards very close to him. He's not discussing it with the Chicago media at all, which I get. But as he should, I mean, whatever he says to the Chicago media, probably the whole city's <laughs> not going to like it. Yeah. Whether it's I'm starting Justin Fields or we're going to keep Andy Dalton. I'm sure they would like having Justin Fields more. But then if he goes in and he's not ready and it shows that he's not ready. And then it's like, what are you doing, man? It's his Aggie head on a stick. Every day. How do you decide that this is better than Andy Dunn? Yeah. <laughs> all, the, um, all the armchair coaches want yeah. Justin Fields, but only if he's going to be better than Andy Dalton. Hey, and I am one of those. So oh, I, am not, I am not above them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. Um, but it seems like whatever he does, it's going to be hard for him to win. Uh, unless unless he starts Justin Fields and Justin Fields immediately comes in and is like 
Justin Herbert last year, Baker his rookie year. Unless Justin Fields can do that, the city of Chicago wouldn't be happy. Yeah, that's he just, has unreal ass. expectations. I mean, when was the last time the Chicago Bears had a quarterback? Jay Cutler, if that's your – if Jay Cutler is the, the bar at which you measure against, then that bar is on the floor. Not to say that Cuddy was okay. a bad quarterback, but, like, if that's okay, the best quarterback in your – We're Browns fans. No, I agree. I'm we throwing, can't talk I'm about the bar back. being on the floor. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, the Browns have had some decent quarterbacks in the 80s and 90s. Okay, yeah, but not well. It's like if you're you're playing that came back, those were technically now Ravens quarterbacks. Hey, Tim Couch. (laughs) I still have a Tim Couch jersey. I love that (laughs) thing. Bright orange. Got it at a thrift store. Oh, again, I'm not saying that I'm better than the Bears. I'm just saying that they have also had a very difficult history in quarterback play. In 85, the Bears didn't win because of their outstanding gunslinger. They won because of their defense, like the Midway Monsters, all of that stuff. Ditka, the Bears. Like, very true. So their quarterback, their, their cream of the crop quarterback is Jay Cutler. Um, they expect Justin Fields to be a lot better than that. It's just a high expectation to have, you know. And not to say that Jay's super good or anything, but like as a third game of your career rookie, you expect him to to be something that he's clearly not yet, in my opinion, just underdeveloped. I just hope the Chicago media and the Chicago fan base is patient with Justin Fields. Um, so that's all I got to say about that, I guess. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's just a tough situation, especially for Matt Nagy. Uh, I think the Bears are a decent team, I think they should finish around 500. I agree. Regardless and of who's starting. Yeah, they're just going to be in the NFL's witching hour. They're going to be in NFL quicksand, like constantly getting like the 14th through 17th pick, not getting any talent that's so transformative on the defensive line or like some standout receiver. You'll get a, a second rate left tackle, or you can get, you can get the draft's best linebacker. You can or get the drafts, drafts right. best center, or the drafts like fourth best corner. So you're in a weird spot as a Bears organization, and I think a lot of the problem begins and ends with management and Ryan Pace. I don't love what he's doing. I think it's odd that there was a need to bring in Andy Dalton. I'm not saying Nick Foles is the answer, but if you're going to sign an outside quarterback, you kind of want to do it with the intention of winning. Um, not to say anything against Andrew Dalton, nice guy, um, cool beard, but Nick Foles can win games in the league. If all you're trying to do is put points on the board, you didn't have to drop $8 million on Andy Dalton, especially if you knew you were going to draft a quarterback. So now it's like, where is Nick Foles? He's just waiting in the wings. He's just taking up cap space. Like, I don't understand what they're doing with their quarterback room. They're always up against the cap. Um, so I think for the Bears to actually have a change that's meaningful, i.e. go more than just first-round playoff exit, I think it begins and ends with the firing of Ryan Pace and reintroduction of new management. I mean, look at how much that changed the Browns' outlook by hiring Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. It changed almost immediately. I mean, that was incredible. 
Yeah. A far I mean, cry Kitchen. from John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens. From the Dorse. I can't believe that when John Dorsey was hired, I was so high on it. Like, dude got fired as the Kansas City Chiefs' general manager. Like, that's a hard team to screw up. So. Yeah. I don't know. But, but I mean, I was also high on it. it was I, just, I, I'm grateful for him because he did Jack so and Nick Chubb and Denzel Ward. Those are corners guys. Which is almost exactly what he did in KC. Yep. Uh, when when you look at the draft, like he got he got his quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, Baker Mayfield. I, I know it's weird to compare him right now. I shouldn't do it, but I'm oh, yeah, just but drawing like, similarities between the Chiefs. The draft and the strategy. The draft strategy is the same, is a good way to put he, it. Yeah, he drafted Kareem Hunt for the Chiefs. He drafted Nick Chubb for the Browns. Okay. Um We've seen that. Did, didn't he draft us a tight end too, or am I mistaken? I don't think he was the GM for Njoku. Okay, that was before his time. Yeah, that was. Oh, what was his name? Um, a very forgettable person. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. Um, not Ray Farmer. He's been way gone, but he's <laughs> still my least favorite Browns GM in history. <laughs> Call me crazy. I hate Ray Farmer with a <laughs> Sashi Brown. Sashi, yep. That makes a lot of sense because we had three first round picks that trapped. <laughs> Swung so, in the mall. Makes a Actually, lot of David sense. David and Jeff was a good pick. Yeah, I like that pick. Um, who are the other first rounders? Jabril Peppers was one. Oh, Miles Garrett. Uh, that was a, a very difficult piss, pick to miss on. Um, yeah. So Miles was, Garrett, I, number one overall in 2017. Jabril Peppers helped us get OBJ. So thanks, Sashi. David Njoku, <laughs> best blocking tight end on the roster. And then after that, let's start going through some names. While we're on the topic, Deshaun Kaiser <laughs> in the second round. Here's a good pick. Congratulations, Sashi. You nailed this one. Third round pick, Larry Ogunjobi. I like that. That was a great pick. Yeah. Fourth round pick, cornerback Howard Wilson. Who is that? Fifth round pick, Roderick Johnson. Nice. Sixth round pick, Caleb Brantley. Nice. And seventh round picks, Matt Days, a running back out of NC State, and Zane Gonzalez, a kicker from Arizona State. Who's now actually he's, I he's think playing league. with the Panthers. He was he was pretty good with the Cardinals the past year or two, right? He's in the league somewhere, but doing yeah. fine. Had a horrible rookie year, if I'm unmistaken, in Cleveland. Like I remember the Zane yeah, Gonzalez hate. It was. I guess that was it was brutal. But yeah, yeah. Well, oh, actually, sorry. one more one more little Browns topic. Uh, it was something I saw that I I knew I wanted to mention, uh, but I completely forgot to. How about Baker coming back from that injury, not missing an offensive snap? Oh. <laughs> that's that's not really my like point of that i guess is i saw a video yesterday where baker may it starts with baker mayfield on the sidelines telling people like it popped in and out right yeah um, and then the next play or not the next play but a play later in the game is like a pitch play to a running back or a sweep or something i forget what what play it was exactly because i didn't see it live um and baker mayfield was throwing a block and he pancaked the dude without using his left arm. 
<laughs> he only and, used his right arm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not just any dude. Yeah, not just any dude. Our, our boy is- Money Mitch. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. That was sweet. I, I hated to see it against Money Mitch, but was that was sweet. awesome. With the one hand, he was basically holding the other one behind his back. Oh, yeah. And as a defender, how do you let that happen to you? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you're, oh. you're going against a quarterback who's using one hand. To, yeah, and you're a defensive player. <laughs> like You try to get off blocks for a living. <laughs> Did you know that the Browns in 2017, this was the year they traded for Brock Osweiler. Great trade, by the way. Oh yeah. They really nailed that one. I actually kind of like their free agent signings that year. Like generally speaking, I'm still on Sashi Brown. Um, Kenny Britt, bad move. Um, They got uh, one of the McCordy twins. They got Tyvis Powell, JC Treader, Kevin Zeitler. Uh, Kevin Zeitler, yeah. obviously important in getting um, Olivier Vernon. Olivier Vernon <laughs> slash OBJ. OBJ. Yeah, I, I mean, lump those trades together as well. Those trades, those trades wouldn't have happened independently. Those trades were, they were like a package deal. Like they wouldn't do the Olivier Vernon for Kevin Zeitler trade straight up. Like, I mean, they one. did. I will, yes, but like they did, but also. They did this next deal like a week later. And I have a feeling that that first one for one trade would not have happened um, had they not already kind of verbaled on OBJ. I don't I mean, know. That's a, that's a good point. But I mean, you got to think about it this way Kevin Zeitler was coming off a very good year. Yeah. Oh, I know. Probably a top five guard, like usual, because that's just how he was. He was, he was an animal in his prime. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, so it's possible they accepted it because it's the Giants. They need offensive line help. And I believe, wasn't that when they drafted Daniel Jones? E- Around that time. I, they're was trying to keep their franchise quarterback. Was, I think it was still Eli. And I think Daniel okay. Jones was 2019. I think okay. either way. Class. Either way, they knew they were going to have to draft a quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you need to be. And up. they might, they might still need to draft a quarterback. Oh, I'm not sold on Daniel Jones. If that's what you're insinuating, I am not either. No, uh, I honestly think we. Everyone gives Lamar Jackson hate for you know they call him a running back. Shoot, you might as well call Daniel Jones a running back too. He leads well, the Giants in rush yards through two. Call weeks. Lamar a running back, but also <laughs> Lamar Jackson is capable of beating the Kansas City Chiefs down twelve in the fourth quarter. Quarter, yeah. So he could gain Daniel Jones. It's it's crazy in that Thursday night game against the Washington NFL football team. Um, Ron Rivera had Taylor Heineke throw the ball significantly more than Joe Judge had Daniel Jones throw the football, and the the field goal offsides, whatever. It was a mess at the end. Either team could have won. Neither decided that they really wanted to win until the the. Uh, the football team was like, I guess we'll go ahead and kick this field goal. Neither team really looked that inspired to win, but when you're doing it with your quarterback, uh, throwing two receivers like Slayton and Kenny Galladay um, with Saquon in the back backfield, and you're go- going against an offense led by Taylor Heineke and Terry McLaurin, and that's it. 
I feel like it's a little bit lost. Antonio Gibson, too. Oh, you're right. Antonio Gibson. How could I forget? The man who just simply has disappeared in the beginning of the year. Yeah. A converted wide receiver, let me add. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, if we're going to talk about uninspired football, I think that's the best way to sum up one of our favorite teams. And that's switching gears over into college football a little bit. Uh, uh, Ohio State, they just they don't look very motivated. They look very uninspired. And that's just, I miss that's just my take. But I miss Justin Fields, the college quarterback, so much. I <laughs> CJ Stroud isn't he's an enigma to me. I can't figure him out because he is like a five star recruit, maybe four star. I don't know, but he's a good enough recruit to have the talent to start at quarterback at the Ohio State University. Um, and he beat out McCord for the starting quarterback position. So where's the like quarterback talent? And, That's and Jack Miller. Don't and Jack that. Miller. Yeah. Who was the main guy in blowouts last year? Yeah. So I don't know. It's. Where's the the CJ Stroud that won that job in training camp? Apparently, I was seeing on Twitter that he's injured. Um, maybe that's the case. Okay, but we have other great options. So if, yeah. if it's a guy who's I not at 100%, who might be slightly better than a guy who's at 100%. We'll put it this way. Yeah. like Yeah, he's underperforming. The, the Ohio State Buckeyes have a higher standard than 10th in the country. You know, and they're yeah. at two and one. That might be their worst start since, like the Virginia Luke. Tuck. Yeah, or yeah, the twenty fourteen, actually. Um, but the difference there being, like in twenty fourteen, JT Barrett was incredible. Before he snapped his leg, obviously he was the <laughs> dude. Like he was that dude. Um, I don't know if CJ Stroud's the guy yet. Maybe it just takes some more time to develop, but at Ohio State programs like Ohio State, you have higher standards than we have to wait to let a quarterback develop because every year is a championship window. Um, yep, we're spoiled. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's all I can say, especially so, with the wide receiver core we have now. I know spoiled. two wide receivers that are going top fifteen. I mean, yeah. I don't think that's an exaggeration either. If Olave it's... declared for the draft this past year, he would have gone in the top 15. He would have been right there with Waddle and with Devontae Smith. And... I, don't, I don't know. I think he could have fallen a little, little bit towards the end of the first round. And I think the team that needs him and would he would transform would probably be the Packers. I mean, he would compliment Devontae Adams so oh, well. Yeah, I agree. And He'd be even such if he a good did. fit. Even if he did slip, he still would have been a first-round talent, in my opinion. It's not like the Packers would have drafted a wide receiver in the first round because they simply don't do that. But it's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Either way, he'll be a first-round pick next year. So will Garrett Wilson. Um, yeah. So will probably two tackles on Ohio State's line, and just yeah. give Travion Henderson one more year, and he'll <laughs> be a top ten pick. I mean, I think two freshman. more years, right? He's, Is it, he's a more, true freshman. Oh, he's a true freshman. You're right. Not a red. Yeah. That's crazy. That's absurd. <laughs> that dude is that going. The fact that he's 19 years old or something like that. Like, yeah, not a red A true freshman. Yeah, he's he's gonna be when it's all said and done, and you're talking about Ohio State running backs of the, the 2010s. Oh, he'll be in the same conversation with Zeke. 
he'll be in the conversation with Zeke with J.K. Dobbins and yeah, and all those other running. Well, he was the number that's, one that's recruit in like football, so at least the at number least the number one running back. back. Yeah, so pretty crazy. Um, he's fun to watch. Give him the rock oh, twenty-five awesome. times if C.J. Stroud is gonna not turn C.J. into a game good. manager. Take the ball out of his hands. Honestly, head. take a take a card from the Browns playbook. Pound the rock. Play action off. But my, my true issue isn't really with Ohio State's offense. I mean, it, it is a little bit, but the defense play has been. Oh, it's been for bad. The second year in a row, it just has not been good. Harry Coombe says he's an incredible recruiter. I give him that. That's what he's best at. Make him a recruiting can't, coordinator. <laughs> can't scheme a defense. He runs like a. A cover two, four, three, and it's like against competent coaching that will work maybe twice in a whole game. So that's why he got moved up to the booth this past weekend. Um, he's still on paper the defensive coordinator, but he wasn't calling plays if I if I remember correctly from that broadcast. So yeah, I don't know the fact that Ohio State was in like Ohio State had to duke it out versus Tulsa for the majority of that game. Crazy. Um, was, uh, I was nervous in that game, and I shouldn't be nervous. CJ Tulsa throwing the ball up for grabs. Like, yeah, whoever yeah. wants, whoever can jump the highest, it's yours. Um, and he's lucky that his receivers are five star talents. But, anyways, Ohio State football will always be good. Um, and the fact that we're talking about a two and one tenth overall team as like a disappointment, like that's. You know, it just is commentary on how spoiled we are as OSU fans. But anyways, go Bucks! They'll be back at some point. So, <laughs> Just yeah. a matter of time. It's, yeah. it's when, not if. It's when, not if. But looking ahead to the NFL Week 3, Will and I have come up with a few bets because, after all, our podcast is called Spread Talk. It would suggest that betting is a part of the podcast. Um, so anyways, my bad for not including that in the past two weeks, but we're back with actual sports betting content. And so for this week, we've picked what we consider to be three locks, um, three no brainer bets. And then next week we will recap our, our picks and maybe we can start, you know, keeping like a, an overall record, like, Ooh, I'm three and oh, like one. And then after week four or five, <laughs> we're like we could compare ourselves at the end of the year. See who's the actual like red picker. So let's do that. Let's let's make that a thing. If you're listening to this episode, just know that you were here on our closed door meeting about what our next podcast is going to be like. Um, you were there. You're an integral part of it. You're there. You're sitting at the table. So anyways, our picks. Uh, Will, you want to go first? I can't. Um, I'm going to start it off by saying that the Thursday game that's that's the first one I'm going to look at I think I think the Panthers cover uh, Sam Darnold's come a long way from becoming I the know quote bust in New York uh, I think this is commentary on Jets not on Darnold yeah I was I was always of the camp that Darnold doesn't look great but he also has nothing around him oh yeah I'm and now that he has talent around him he is looking very good. They're putting up I think points. I think yeah. I think the Panthers cover an eight point spread against the Texans. They're a sneaky uh, team. With Davis Mills under center. 
I mean, we saw the difference last week watching the Browns between Tyrod Taylor and Davis. Oh, Williams. yeah. Oh, yeah. If it was Tyrod Taylor, I would reconsider. But with Davis Mills behind behind center, I think the Panthers will cover the eight points. Two-score game, of, I think they can do it. It's a lot of points. It is. All right. It is, but. I'll go next. Um, All right. I'm on the Sunday slate. My first pick, Cardinals versus Jaguars. I'm picking the Cardinals to cover a seven-point spread. Um, so Cardinals, uh, actually, I take it back to spread seven and a half. doesn't matter. I think the Cardinals will win by 10. Uh, Cardinals minus seven and a half is what I'd take. You look at their offense, and it's probably the second flashiest offense in the league outside of Kansas City. You look at Kyler Murray, and you are thinking MVP early season candidate right now. Um, their defense is fine, not amazing, but luckily they are going against the most anemic offense in football. So it's not like their defense needs to be great. And Jacksonville's defense has not stopped a nosebleed. They gave up 37 to Terod Taylor. And we did bellyache on how much we like Terod Taylor. I agree. But 37 points, like... Especially that was, with Mark Ingram and Brandon Cooks as the yeah. two playmakers. Yeah, so their defense can't stop anything. Um... The Cardinals def- or the Cardinals offense looks like it simply can't be stopped. And if I were to look at this game and make the line myself, I mean, I realize I'm not a sharp in Vegas or anything like that. I would probably set the line at eight and a half, nine maybe. Um, but the fact that it's at seven and a half, seven and a half, I think that's a value bet. Um, I'd take Cardinals minus seven and a half. And I don't do a lot of betting favorites to cover, but this one just kind of screams blowout to me. Even though Especially the game is more than a touchdown. Yeah. So, anyways, that's my first pick. Yeah, so for my second one, you might call me a homer or whatever. I think the Browns cover against the Bears. I think the Bears offense could be just what the Browns defense needs to get on track, regardless of who's starting under center, um, especially if it's Andy Dalton. Uh, I'd be a little, I'd be a little more nervous if it was, if it was Justin Fields. But I think, I think the Browns cover in this game. Um, I think the defense shows up, and and I think Chubb and Hunt, you know, they're gonna both have their their usual good games, and I think, I think Baker's gonna throw a few touchdowns this week. I think he's going to go for 250, two or three touchdowns. I think this game could mm-hmm. could get out of hand for the for the Bears. I, I mean, but I mean, you look at it last week, the Browns didn't play too well. And yes, they're playing the Texans. And yes, Davis Mills coming in kind of bailed them out. But the Browns didn't play too well. And they still won by what? 10, I believe? Something like that. Um, so... I mean, I think the Browns can cover seven, I believe seven and a half. Um, let me pull this up really quickly. Yeah, pretty sure. Seven. Seven, yeah. okay. I think I think the Browns can cover that. Um, so that'll be my number two, is I'm going to Browns to cover. Uh, two big favorites so far. My game, my next game, Washington at Buffalo. Buffalo's minus nine. Um... I am taking the football team to cover. 
I'd still take Bills money line. I still think the Bills win by a touchdown. But Washington has proven that Taylor Heineke is kind of a gamer. I mean, you watched him play against the Buccaneers defense last year in the playoffs. He's now had a week full to prepare as the starter for the Bills offense. And Washington's defense as a whole, I mean, they don't have a weak unit. I mean, the Bills' strength is their offense. So if you can have your throw your best, one of the best defenses in the league against a Bills, you know, aggressive offense, I think you can find success. Like, look at week one. The Bills lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't think we're going to argue that the Steelers have the best defense in the league anymore. But their front seven is still one of the best in the league. Um, if not the best in the league, their their defensive line and linebacking groups, incredible. And they gave Josh Allen fits. I still think the Bills outplayed the Steelers that game, but the Steelers ended up winning. I think I could see something similar happening with Washington at Buffalo. I think Washington's defensive front wakes up a little bit from their sleepy couple games. And I think Taylor Heineke does just enough to backdoor the spread. But again, Buffalo's going to win. I just think Washington makes it more competitive than nine points. So... Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I think I think Washington and Pittsburgh are actually very similar teams. So do I. But Not dynamic on think, offense, but their defense will keep them in games. Yeah, and I would I would even argue that I think I think Washington has more dynamic playmakers on offense than Pittsburgh does. Interesting. I mean, and I argue that because you know. Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, yeah, they're Buckeyes. Call me a homer if you want. Oh, but, but Terry McLaurin is objectively top ten receiver in the league. I mean, yeah, and, he's and caught Curtis touchdown Samuel. passes. He has caught touchdown passes from six different starting quarterbacks in his time in Washington. <laughs> Let's like go through the list. Dwayne Haskins. That's like a Josh Gordon uh, stat. Line. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he makes it work with anybody. Taylor Heineke, Fitzy. Um, He's quarterback proof. That's that's he is quarterback. easiest way to put it. Uh, and he just he just makes plays. You're right. It does Curtis not matter. Samuel is very versatile. I mean, it it's hard to defend someone who's that versatile. He's a, he's a wide receiver in name. Uh, he can, he can run the ball on sweeps and whatnot. And oh, yeah. He's always he's always a danger to you know take it to the crib. Oh yeah. Uh, I also like Antonio Gibson a lot. I like his versatility. I think I think Washington's got some playmakers. It's just if they can make plays. Because I think they're very boom or bust. Uh, those players are. Yeah, I, I agree. A little bit. <laughs> Anyways, um, what's your what's your game number three? Yeah, so for my game number three, I'm gonna get a little bold here. And I am taking the Rams money line over the Buccaneers. I think really? the Rams win that game. Yep. The Buccaneers are favored by one. So there's really not any point in, in betting the spread there. So I'll just take my value and, and go for the money line. Uh, I think the Rams are a complete team. And I, I honestly, honest to God, I think they will probably be the NFC representative of the Super Bowl. And I don't. I don't think that's much of an exaggeration. I think the defense is still scared. You're, you're straying away from the sacred nation that is Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah, I know. My one of my number one mottos is to never bet against like one of those superstar quarterbacks in Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, a Russell Wilson, or Drew Brees before you retire. But 
I, I think the Rams boast incredible playmakers on offense. Uh, the running game probably could use some help, but I mean, when you have two, three, two, three very good receivers, you know, a serviceable tight end, and who I think has been the most underrated quarterback in the league the last what ten or so years, Matthew Stafford. Um, I think that offense is high powered enough to match up with that Buccaneers defense and to score some points. And I think that defense, despite losing John Johnson, Troy Hill, and I'm sure they lost more, uh, they're very well coached, well disciplined. And, you know, we can't forget about Aaron Donald. Oh, yeah. The man's a that'll, be the game. Game I mean, that'll be the game of the weekend, I think. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I don't care how good your offensive line is. He's going to be in the backfield probably 80% of the time. Um, <laughs> That's just that's just how it is. I think the Rams win that game. It'll be a very good game. Uh, but I think I think the Rams sneak out of there with a win. It might be a little, like a defensive battle or it might be a shootout. Who knows? That game is going to be an enigma. The only thing I know about that game is it's going to be a good one and it's going to be close. Whether it's a blowout or a defensive battle. <laughs> My final pick is Oh, I'm just looking for the line again. Um, Seahawks at Vikings. Seattle minus one and a half. I'm going to take Seattle to cover that game. Um, if you look at the Seahawks, I still think they're a top eight, ten team in the league. They lost on a weird defensive meltdown in the last five minutes to Tennessee. A game they easily should have won. Um, I look at this team and I look at Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. I don't see one and two. Um, this coupled with the fact that the Vikings two weeks in a row can't close. Um, I think Seahawks minus one and a half is a lot of value just because um, a diff- if this was Seahawks minus four, I would be a little more hesitant. But I can see Seahawks by a field goal in Minnesota. Um, I don't think that's the edgiest pick of all time. I think it's a reasonably safe one. I do think think the uh, the Seahawks win and cover the spread. Um, Seahawks minus one and a half. Go. So, check back with us next week. We'll throw these picks on the Twitter, perhaps. And we will both retweet it from our personal accounts. And you guys can vote on which, whose side you're on for this week. That can be another facet of our ever-changing spread talk weekly schedule you guys are here on the meetings we'll put out a tweet with my picks and with will's picks and then we'll put out a twitter poll and then we'll retweet it and see who wins at the end of 24 hours so that can be another metric i like that yeah, i like that yeah a lot. <laughs> a lot of fun anyway whoever wins the fan vote and whoever wins <laughs> the actual picks <laughs> yeah i think that's fun and do you have any other fadeaway comments Nope, I do not actually. All right, (laughs) neither do I. So, uh, as always, I'm Isaac and I'm Will, and we will catch you next week with a recap of week three, a recap of our picks, and a recap of the Cleveland Football Browns. So, peace. See you.